To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 148. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, and that's discuss sports. We're back in the building, fresh off of Thanksgiving holidays. Brothers, how y'all feeling? How was y'all holidays? Are y'all getting back in the swing of things? What's up, man? Man, I'm feeling good. Still stuck like a turkey. Still trying to work that off over the last couple of days, you know. But um, you still eating turkey, bro. You want to? Hey, man, look, look, man. Turkey soup, man. Turkey sandwiches. <laughs> we gonna finish this turkey. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, man, I had a good holiday break. Uh, honestly, holidays always go by a little bit too quickly. Uh, so getting back into the swing of things, work wise, all that good stuff. But no complaints on this end, man. Good holiday break. Ready to jump right back into it, man. Get back to doing what we love doing, and that's uh, providing content for our listeners. Yeah, man. I mean, I had a good holiday as well. You know, as I told you, fellas, I had a house full. Uh, my fiance's mom and brother were in town. I had a good time with them. It was nice to have family, as you know. You know, I relocated out of Louisiana, so it was nice to have some family over the holiday. Of course, I ate too much. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, you know, it's been fun, man. It's been a lot of football, a lot of sports to discuss. Hey, bro, you ain't going to tell them, tell the listeners about the dressing, bro? You ain't gonna... Oh, yeah, man. I made some phenomenal dressing. You know, I was I was made in charge of the, of the cornbread dressing. And, you know, to say the least, the pan was empty by the end of the day. So I think we label that as a success, fellas. You know, I'm starting to expand my my uh, culinary palate, if you, if, so to speak. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we'll jump right into it, man, here. Uh, before I get started uh, uh, mentioning, you know, uh, my my brother, you know, special shout out to him. He has his podcast. It's uh, some some inspiring stuff there. Um, he, you know, it's called the OLWJ Captivation Podcast. So make sure you check that out. Uh, again, he's, he's a brother of mine. Uh, he's actually, um, you know, giving some inspirational thoughts, some financial advice, you know, just just uh, thoughts on life, man. Some tips on life, and that's that's important. So make sure you check them out. OLWJ Captivation Podcast. Anywhere where you find your podcast, uh, make sure, as I always say, make sure you follow up the podcast on O underscore uh, Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram, and then make sure you you are subscribed to the podcast. That's how you get notified when we drop fresh new content like the one you're hearing right now. And as as most importantly, make sure that you're sharing this with a friend. That's how we get out there. That's how, you know, we get our name out there and leave a review if you seem inclined to. Fellas, we'll start off with 
uh, Thanksgiving Thursday. I don't know about you guys. It wasn't a good gambling day for me sports wise, but it was uh, it wasn't too much entertainment there sports wise. But there was some shocking matchups. And, you know, we start off with the Packers and the Lions um, on Thursday. Uh, I mean, as we as you hear this podcast, you probably won't care about that game. But it was huge to see the Lions here. But, you know, I think a couple things I pulled out of that is, you know, I think that uh, Jordan has really impressed me as a quarterback over the past couple weeks. Um, I think Christian Watson, you know, he may be a re- the real deal. And then Jaden Reed is starting to turn on the rookie uh, there. So, I mean, they got some good things going and that, you know, Aaron Jones did not play. So, I mean, which, which is even more impressive. Uh, but I think, you know, the flip side of that is the Lions. I mean, you you go back to our pre-football episode a lot of us and I think all of us were high on the Lions and we really were building the hype um but they have proven themselves to be really fool's gold um if you look at their resume in the season that they're having so far it looks like they've dropped a bunch of games not only that um they haven't performed quite like we thought they would um overwhelming favorites on Thursday and again they drop another game uh all right guys are you are you just about off the lines here uh, or how do you feel about Detroit um, right now, good team. I think Everett's a good team. You know, has that stumble in the road. Um, I'm not off of them yet. I think they're still third um, uh, best record in the NFC. So I, I like them. I still think they're a good team. Um, I still uh, think they have the pieces to shock some teams and to uh, make a, make some noise in the playoffs. I wouldn't say they're absolutely Super Bowl contenders, but again, I'm not going to let this this little bump in the road kind of deter me from how I feel about that team. I mean, still eight wins and still still playing good ball, you know. Sometimes those division games, I always say that those division games sometimes get you and surprise you because they're so familiar with each other. Yeah, I mean, I echo basically the same sentiments as Los. You know, nothing has really changed for me as it relates to the Lions. You know, I think that they're a team that is continuing to build, continue to kind of take that next step. Uh, Obviously, we saw for many years they were a team that were a bottom feeder in the NFL and were kind of looked at as a joke. And I think that you've seen them take the necessary steps. You saw last season how they really kind of closed out that season on a run, um, you know, and started taking the right steps to putting themselves uh, in playoff contention. And so I think that the main thing is for this team now this year to be in the playoffs, you know, see if they can pull out a win or two. I ultimately, you know, wouldn't say as Los was just saying as well, too, that they are contenders to win the NFC. But I still think that they're a good team and good teams are going to drop games. You know, we've seen throughout the course of the league, whether it's them, whether uh, it's Kansas City, you know, whether it's uh, the Dallas Cowboys, whether it's the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they've all dropped games, the Miami Dolphins. And so I wouldn't look at this and just write them off just because they took a loss to a team in which, you know, as you were kind of echoing, that may be somewhat finding their footing. So uh, I'm not I'm not pressing the panic button or anything just yet on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I don't think that I press the panic button. I think they're, you know, I think they are who they are at this point. I think the only impressive win was against the Chiefs early uh, in week one, which, you know, kind of peaked. And then we was able to see them play the cheat uh the Baltimore Ravens which the Baltimore Ravens just thrashed them uh 38 to 6. Um I think the Lions are better historically than they've been in the past. I think Dan Campbell has done a good job of shifting the culture there. Um and I think that that 
when you're so used to being bad as a team and as a franchise, and now you're finally good and finding your footing and, and relevant, playing relevant football here in November, I think that, you know, a lot of people lose sight of where how to evaluate this team. And I think although they are a good team, I agree with you. And they, But I think that in comparison, historically, they're leaps and bounds better. Um, I think for now, I mean, I think as a Lions fan, they're happy with what they're seeing right now. But I don't feel like they're a true contender in the playoffs. Um, I think that they will they will have an early exit if they do make the when they do make the playoffs. Um, but I mean, I think I mean, if you look at historically what they've been and how the lack of success they've had, I think I mean, I think the Lions fans will be happy now a year from now, a year or two. You know, maybe not. But I think what stood out to me and what I've always we, we've always come to grips and Los knew this more than most because he's a Rams fan and they, that was their number one pick. But Jared Goff, if you can't keep the pocket clean and if you get him dirty, uh, he can't function. And we saw a lot of that. We saw a lot of that. The Packers was able to get to him early and often in that game. And it really shook Jared Goff. And I think that's a lot of reason why they lost that game. Yeah, no, no, I, I I agree with you there. You know, obviously, as you said, this is the guy that uh, was, you know, a really a high draft pick and things of that sort. But there was a reason why the Rams did move on from him. Now, I do think that he's found his footing over there in Detroit. And I still think that ultimately, when even I look at that team as a whole, you know, the NFC is kind of wide open for me. And so even with Jared Goff and him maybe not being elite, I think that you have what, you know, probably two quarterbacks over there in the NFC that are maybe playing defensively better than he's playing at this point. Uh, I think that right now you would still take Jalen Hurts over him from what he's producing and you would take Dak Prescott in the role that he's been on. But besides that, you know, is he definitively is Brock Purdy definitively better than Jared Goff at this point? You know, would you would you state that? Who's that? Brock, Brock Purdy? Purdy in San Francisco. Do you think he's definitively better than Jared Goff right now? No, no I don't. No, I don't think no. so. I think no. if you can keep, if like I said, if you keep Jared Goff clean, which you know that's why he had a lot of success last year, and you know he's had some success this year. He can be very effective, and you know, but you know if they can't protect him, then he's gonna be what he was with the Rams, and you know towards the end of his stint there. Yeah. I think the thing that I fear actually a little bit more with that team is what they're going to bring defensively week in and week out and what they'll bring on that side of the ball in a playoff run. I think that ultimately I still have confidence in what they have from an offensive standpoint. We know the weapons that are there, especially in that backfield when you have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs doing what they're doing. We know what Amon Ross St. Brown is. Uh, even Khalif Raymond has had a, a solid season thus far. So I think that the weapons are around Jared Goff, and I think that he will be fine. Uh, but I still do ultimately want to see also what that defense is going to do from a, a long-term standpoint and a playoff run standpoint. Solid point. Solid point. So we'll move We'll move on from that. Uh, I think Dallas, uh, which leads to another interesting conversation about Dallas, which we'll get in into a moment. Uh, Dallas this past Thanksgiving had no issues and they served they served them up right. Uh, I was uh, against the commanders, uh, which I'm a homer, so I have to be careful again, like I always allude to. Um, 45 to 10, it wasn't much of a competition. Um, I walked, I ate some, ate a lot of food, fell asleep, and I woke up and I had to scratch my eyes. I was like, this game is over by halftime. So wasn't much of an entertaining game here. But 
Um, what what leads to an interesting conversation is the Cowboys, man. They're, they're they're along with I pulled the Dolphins into it too. Uh, uh, which which is interesting. And what I look at their wins in combination, I want you guys thoughts on it. Um, the guys they they're they're they have sixteen combined wins, and neither one of these teams they only have one between the two of these teams only have one team one win above a team that's above five hundred. What does that say to y'all? Man, that's a good setup, man. I mean, to me it says <laughs> to me it says they if they can't get the guy the job done. I mean, you know, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I I think they have the pieces to do it. I'm not saying by any means that I don't think they have the pieces to do it. I just feel like they just haven't been able to get the job done against the better teams. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, like you said, really in both of those instances, these are two teams that, to me, even maybe potentially more than Detroit could be fool's goal. Um, and so when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, as we talked about even last podcast, I think that this upcoming stretch that they have, this upcoming five-game stretch where they face no teams that are below 500, they only have one team in that five-game stretch that is actually at 500 that they face. And so I think we're going to really have an understanding of who the Cowboys are after they come out of that stretch. Now, it is very ironic that still within that stretch, they play one of the teams you mentioned in the Miami Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> so that's going to be a very interesting <laughs> match. Fool's go versus fool's go. <laughs> right, exactly. But I think to your point, yeah, that is a legit point. You know, you could be sitting there at eight and three, but who have you played? Who have you beaten? And in the matchups, when you truly played someone, it hasn't looked too favorable for you. Has not looked too favorable, and I agree with you guys. I think that the Cowboys, we, we, you know, there's a story to tell um, there, and I don't think that it's by any, you know, coincidence that the, you know, the numbers are the numbers. They're and, and you know they're beating up the teams that they should absolutely beat, and they get up to beat them, but they're losing against the teams that should get them fit. So um, I, I do think that at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't believe in any one of these teams. Uh, you know, I, I I think out of the Dolphins and the Cowboys, and I send it around. Who do y'all think is more real? You know, and I, I'll start it off. I I feel as though the Cowboys are real more real than the Dolphins are just because I feel that the Cowboys defense is for real. And that's the only, that's the only determining factor in it. And I think that that that's sustainable. A good defense is sustainable throughout playoff football. And that's been historically proven. And they had a dog named Michael Parsons that I feel like could lead him to it. Uh, But that's just, those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I would say, if you look at those two teams, I will pick right now, Dallas Cowboys to win that game. Um, and, you know, with rumors about Shaq Leonard actually going over there, he's going to make his decision soon, probably be make a decision before the pot even actually come out. He might even go over there. So, again, that defense is special. So, right there with you. Don't, don't say that too loud to remind about Shaq yeah. <laughs> It is what it is, man. Honestly, bro, I hope the best for my guy Shaq Leonard, man. I'm a Shaq <laughs> Leonard fan, man. He, he 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 always, to me, carried himself in the right way, man. The fan base respects him. So, hey, I can't do nothing but say, man, good well wishes for it. But I echo the same sentiments as y'all. You know, to me, that defense in Dallas, to me, still does seem legit. So that's ultimately where I would lean. And I think the name that we have to mention as well, man, is Deron Bland and what he's done over there. 
kind of the record setting season that he's had from an interception yeah. standpoint. And it's kind of it's really weird because, of course, we know Trevon Diggs, how he went down with the injury uh, ACL, <laughs> I believe. And it's like you almost got Diggs 2.0 in what Bland has been doing this season. So it's crazy. All right. Look, man, that's some good stuff there. But I, I thought that that was interesting. Uh, again, we'll we'll get into our teams. I, I'll start off with my New Orleans Saints. Uh, Los joked with me. He said he couldn't wait to hear the rant. Uh, I'll try not to be too long, uh, but I, I think that as a diehard New Orleans Saints fan, I'm ready to get rid of not just Pete Carmichael like I've been preaching all season. I'm ready to get rid of Dennis Allen as well. Um, I think that, you know, the product that we put out this past Sunday, um, you know, Tyron Matthew, two picks, uh, Alvin Kamara, over 100 yards, total offense from, from scrimmage, and we still lose the game. Derek Carr throws a, a red zone interception. He's an 11-year-old vet and throws a, a, a terrible ball. Um, and then you get Taysom Hill, which I almost lost my mind. But then we have him, you know, Alvin Kamara is coming off a 30-yard run, a rush, to get us down there. It's third and six, and you hand it, you let Taysom Hill run it, and he fumbles the ball. At this point, I just feel like we just need to get rid of it, kind of our losses. The only point. I, the only point that really makes me upset is that as a franchise, we decide to give Derek Carr four years without him having to prove anything instead of putting him on a team option contract. No, we don't do that. We we just give him, give him, give him the keys to the franchise. And, and we see why the Raiders were so easy. We're so quick to give him, give up, give him up and let him walk. I mean, he, he's not a good quarterback, a four-year, $150 million contract, and I feel like we got robbed without a gun. But <laughs> I'll keep the I'll keep it yeah. short, <laughs> but that, that's a, how I feel. I just wanted to ask you right quickly, though. If you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, I know when we talked in, in weeks past and we've all talked that we were kind of all sitting in the same boat, you know, our teams floating in the middle, and we potentially want our teams to tank. So I kind of position this to you. Is it necessarily bad that Derek Carr continues to start and gives you the performances that he gives you, or does it work with you kind of wanting to go along that lines of tanking and losing games? So, like, where are you at with that? Like, is he serving his purpose as the tank commander, or is it just frustrating enough that you just want to move in another direction? You know what, Ramon? I'll say this, man. We hadn't drafted a quarterback since Peyton Manning dad. <laughs> with our first round pick that's like that's at least what 30 years yeah i, I would say that. more than that maybe 40 with 40 maybe 50 yeah but, archie manning was playing when my dad was a kid so yeah so yeah <laughs> maybe 50 years so i was trying to be modest there because i'm coming off the dome right now but you know i'm you know even though i've been on record and saying that i've been content with our drafting and that of course that was with with when we were uh, had a good foundation with with Drew Brees, that maybe three or four years before he left. I think three or four his three last three four years weren't good, but we we've been reluctant to draft quarterbacks, bro. And you know who's to say even if we did, you know, tank the rest of the year, I don't. I'm not confident that we would. I, and we give so many chances. You know, Dennis Allen has never proven to be a good head coach. Derek Carr has never been proven to be above average quarterback. And we take these chances. Pete Carmichael, I'm looking at him as an office coordinator 
you know, I'm looking at these offensive coordinators, Matt Canada get fired, and then then you know the Steelers have 400 yards of offense this past week. Like it couldn't be blatantly obvious of the moves that we need to make, but it just seems like ownership. And you know, I love Miss Benson, but Mrs. Benson, but I feel as though she is not running a team. Like she doesn't. I don't feel like she's that in tune, and I think that she makes probably makes decisions that goes with her heart and emotion as opposed of going with what's right. And it, you know, evidence of this is how long we held on a Drew Brees, you know, but anyway, I'm not trying to make this a Saints podcast, but this is, you know, I'm over this. And, you know, I, I told my family uh, Sunday, I, I told them all, I said, I may consider if we keep, if we don't fire Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael or something doesn't happen or we keep, we keep the same product we have this year. I don't know if I'm gonna watch the Saints game next year. I'm yeah. just that oh, you boy cotton, huh? Hey. You boy hey, cotton. Huh? I'll tell you what, I'm with you. I ain't watching them either, man. Like they, they, they've and, been, and, they've and, been terrible. And the thing, the thing, the thing that gets me is that as a Saints fan, we we're tired of them pissing on us and calling it rain. Like they just want to fill seats. They not they're not really doing what's best for the team. They're not trying to play competitive football. They want to sell tickets, and that's what's wrong with the DC market out here. Is that they're not concerned about you know the Wizards winning games. They're concerned about filling seats. That's all. And they know people will continue to buy tickets because it's a market where everybody comes and do their tourism thing. Oh, let's catch a basketball game. Oh, let's catch a a football game. Let's catch a baseball game. But it's nothing about the moves that's going to be good for a fan to watch. Why should I continue watching a product like the Saints are putting out week in and week out? Even Alvin Kamara keeping it real. He sounds more like a coach than a player. <laughs> like, we don't have an identity. Duh. How, how is Dennis pointing out, you know, and I'm done after this for real. How is Dennis pointing out the turnovers or, you know, and these missteps? And then you're not even talking about, like, that's partially, that might be the penalties. That's partially the issue that was the issue this past Sunday, but what about the last, you know, you know, five or six games where the offense is just not doing anything and you just keep going out there and putting out the same product, man, I'm done. Look, this is the final rant. I'm not talking about this again. This is it. I'm done, man. I think it's, I just think it's funny how you said, I'm not going to go on the rant. I'm not going to talk about them long. <laughs> and then here we are five minutes later. <laughs> here we are five minutes later, man. Frustrated, man. Frustrated. Well, Jonathan Taylor, he he's having he had thumb surgery today, Ramon. So, how, what do you think? What are your thoughts on your calls, man? Yeah, man. Honestly, you know, I'm still in the same position that I've been with my Colts uh, for the most of the season. Once Anthony Richardson went down, I still feel like they aren't really getting the assignment right now. Like, I really want my Colts in tank mode, <laughs> uh, but they still try to kind of stack some wins. Uh, I think that what we're six and five now at this point, which still puts us in the playoff hunt. Um, but I ultimately know that with Gardner Minshew leading the ship or steering the ship, I mean, we're not heading anywhere with that. Uh, so obviously, as you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor had surgery. He'll be out two to three weeks, uh, but they're also saying potentially. Which hurts my fantasy team. Exactly. That's the bigger implications. I have him in, in two leagues right now, um, which is definitely about to be in, in the playoff hunt. Uh, so I really need to hold on to my buys right now in both of the leagues that I have him. I would have a bye week if the playoffs started today. So I need to hold on to those. Um, but they're saying as well, too, he could potentially be an IR candidate, which would really sink the ship for a lot of us fantasy owners at this point. 
Um, but I really don't think that there's much to really say about the Colts at this point. You know, I know we probably would got maybe uh, two fans that are listening to me right now that might might be Colts fans. <laughs> I'm not fooled to think to think that Colts Nation is is lining up and they, you know I, I'm not fooled with that. Hey, it's uh, some listener out there that's grateful for this Colts week to week uh, week to week evaluation. I'm sure of it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I want us to be steering the ship from a tanking standpoint. So honestly, maybe JT being out for a few weeks kind of helps that. Uh, but hopes that he I hope he gets back personally because I need him in two of my fantasy leagues. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'll just transition right on to the Rams right now. The Rams are five and six. And um, I honestly I'm not I'm, I'm, I feel uh, impartial about them. I'm not really happy about us winning because I know it's fool's goal. I know we talked about that a little bit in the podcast about other teams. But the Rams are, you know, you look at their wins across the board. You look at them beating the Cardinals twice. You look at them beating um, the Seahawks twice. Those are four division games, teams that we've owned for years, right? So you look at all that across the board. Um, that alone is – and then, of course, I'm not going to do it, but the Colts, too, in there. You know, that's our fifth win. So, again, two mid – all mid to terrible teams, you know, that are just not really your upper echelon. You know, then you look at we play the Eagles, we play the Steelers, we play the 49ers all teams that have really taken care of us and beaten us um, pretty good. So I'm not really fooled by us beating the Cardinals twice. I'm not fooled by us beating the Seahawks, which one of those games was gifted to us. You know, the the the, the kicker missed the field goal. And then you have Drew Locke, who stepped in for um, Geno for three, four drives. And, you know, Drew, Drew Locke is not a quarterback, not an NFL quarterback, and probably shouldn't even be a backup quarterback. You know, so again, when you look at that as a wide sprint, I'm not fooled by this. Now, if the Rams go the next two games against the Browns and against the Ravens, if they're able to win those next two games, then okay, I'm convinced and I'm on this playoff thing. I'm on this playoff push. But if they're not able to beat good teams, then we're wasting our time here. Why not just be bad? Why not be bad? We lose these last two games. We guarantee the top five pick. We're looking at Jaden Daniels. We're looking at maybe possibly Caleb Williams. We're looking at a Drake May. We're looking at some of the top prospects that really change this franchise around, but I'll leave it at that. Now, I would say, why not be bad? But, you know, my fantasy seasons hinge on some of these Rams players, so I at least need the offense to be good. Maybe the defense can be terrible, but uh, shout out to uh, Kyron Williams' return to those fantasy owners who have Kyron Williams on their teams. That's me, and I got him on the same team that, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going to go down with. So, but I, I was interested in your thoughts, man. I, I mean, we, you know, the discovery of the emergence of Kyron Williams, I don't know how you feel about him, but the juice that I'm seeing and just the eye test, I think the guy's legit. You know, you could correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to correct you if, I'm, if you're wrong. Because, again, you look at his two biggest games came against the Cardinals. The last game when he sprained his ankle was against the Cardinals. And you look at him now against the Cardinals. Now, he's played well. Don't get me wrong. He's played well. But, again, when you stacked him against better teams, you've seen the midness, right? You've seen that he's a decent running back. He gets the job done. I'm not I'm not already going to say he's a top 10 running back or anything like that. I'm going no, to say I that go he's crazy doing... like that. I do think that he's a feature back, though. I don't know. I, I'm sure he's a feature back in our offense, but I, I I don't put him in that. I don't I don't put him in again a top ten tier as far as talent wise. I think he he's a guy that's gonna always fall forward. 
I like that about him. He's a guy that's going to hit the hole. He's not going to be guessing and playing these games. And so I like that from that standpoint. He does what he needs to do for this team. Uh, is he special by any means? I don't. I, I would say no. Yeah, guys, uh, you know, let's keep it keep it going here, man. We're on a roll here. But Frank Reich, man, lost his job in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they, they said they were done with him. They did what we should do, but they let go of their head coach. Um, and they let go for the, their offensive coordinator as well, uh, and the QB coach. Um, so, I mean, they I think it really saying how much they bought into Bryce's development. They, I think it says speaks to the franchise and what they think. Right? They think that Bryce was just in a situation where they couldn't properly evaluate him, which we we talked about a couple of episodes ago. And they're seeing that if they could bring a coach in that can that can fix this mess. Uh, but you know, I think it's huge implications frank wright bounced out of indiana ramon and now in carolina they only gave him one year um after a record of a one in ten what do you think yeah i mean i think ultimately man like you said i mean he got bounced out of indy uh there were some things that just over the course of time like he at times is a little bit of a stubborn coach or it can be a guy too that you know kind of once he gets on a roll of, of what he likes and what he sees you know, even if the game is changing or things of that sort, he's not going to kind of shift or anything with it. And so, you know, I think that Frank Reich has been a guy that's been riding that momentum of what Philly did uh, in that championship run. I think that he's been riding that momentum since. But honestly, when you look at Carolina, I mean, they've, they've been terrible this year. And uh, I think that ultimately, you know, they said that the owner actually uh, – David Tepper, you know, is the one who really stepped in and went ahead and made this decision. And I think that when you give up as much as they gave up, you know, to go up to that number one pick to get a guy in Bryce Young, uh, we know it. We've seen it in sports for so long, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NBA, a player is going to win out over a coach. And that's going to be pretty much 10 out of 10 times. Or maybe if you try to just be nice about it, maybe nine out of 10 times a player is going to win out over a coach. And I think that they said that, hey, if we traded these pieces that we did and sacrificed to go up to that number one pick and got our guy and Bryce Young that is supposed to be our guy for the foreseeable future, uh, we're going to do everything that we can do to set him up for success. Um, and I think that ultimately that's what this move came down to. Uh, there's been all different kind of rumors that are talking about dissension within the franchise and talking about potentially, too, that Frank Reich may have been actually a guy that was more so – rooting for C.J. Stroud to be the pick. And, you know, all of that is kind of rumored at this point. Uh, we don't know, but I think that it was obvious that Carolina needed to go in a different direction. I just thought that they would maybe wait until the season actually concluded. Yeah, I mean, you look at that team and you just look at them as a whole. It's a mess, right? They have the worst record in the NFL and they don't own that pick. And that that is that's scary. That's scary. Like you, you're literally looking at a generational player that you could get in this next draft that you gave up um, to the Chicago Bears, who's sitting with two top ten picks right now. Um, and then, I mean, you look at that organization from an owner and a GM standpoint. They didn't have four different coaches in the last fourteen months. That's, I mean, as a coach, I'm not comfortable to come over there. And I know the owner came out and he said they want to have a coach for the next thirty to thirty five years but you haven't shown that you haven't shown you haven't even given your your current coach a full season to get through the season and so I just hope this doesn't fall back on Bryce Young where he goes through multiple coordinators we've seen this with Derek Carr in the past years and you know different quarterbacks that just never really caught their foot and 
and they're looked at as a bust when really the organization is dysfunctional. So when I look at this situation, I hope that they do find a coach for the sake of Bryce Young because you see the flashes. You see that he can be good. You see him getting the extra yardage with his feet. You know, we've seen him be successful at Alabama. You know, we just need to get the weapons around him. And his number one weapon shouldn't be Adam Thielen, a 50-year-old receiver. So when I look at that situation, they have to prove everything around him, including the O-line, including the, the, the weapons they put around him, like, like C.J. Stroud have. He has his generational – not generational. Let me take that back. He has his set left, left tackle. He has his weapons around him in Nico and Tank Dell. Tank Dell is a guy that he actually wanted in the draft. That gave him weapons around him to succeed. And I just think that Bryce Young, I feel for him, and I hope that they do that for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with what you guys say. I won't repeat it, uh, anything you guys said. I think that if that's the change they think they need to make in order for Bryce to succeed, they need to do it. They invested and gave up a lot to get Bryce. So uh, I'm talking about picks and all. So it's not as if they're in a position for this to fail. They have to make sure they do everything in their power to make sure that this, that their investment is, is it pays off. And if not, they need to cut ties sooner than later. But I think at this point it's too soon to determine, or it's too soon to give up on it. And I think they, they took the right step in, in the right direction. They feel like this will give Bryce a boost. Um, but I think there are plenty of problems in Carolina outside of um, their offense. So, but we'll see where it goes here. But as we jump into some basketball, man, the in-season tournament, uh, we recorded a podcast jokingly, not knowing what the in-season tournament was. Uh, but, guys, I think I'm ready to say it. I'm a fan. I'm really enjoying this in-season tournament, um, not just because my Lakers are 3-0 and in it, uh, in group play for the in-season tournament, but it just seems as though the NBA players are more engaged. And we've heard different sound bites from LeBron about the 500k and and dame with the 500k and that they want to win and for the players that that salary uh is not you know that high and you know so they want to win it for those guys so it seems like the, the the stars are invested and you know i've watched a few games i mean you watched the indiana atlanta game how fun was that a lot of offense and it felt like a real classic playoff game uh there but you know I, i've been enjoying it guys I, I, as we record this is a, it's a tuesday night of, of in, in tournament in season tournament games after we're done recording i'll be watching it until i fall asleep tonight um but i want you guys to stop man are, are y'all with me here are y'all are y'all fans of this new implication inaugural in season tournament absolutely man like the intensity <laughs> i mean you know it, it's making tuesday and friday's games okay now you're playing for something right you know, it, 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 I, I'm a huge fan. I'm right there with you, brother. Like, it's a huge fan. We've seen, we've seen, like you said, Draymond put somebody in the headlock during this tournament. Like, we've seen things crazy, right? And <laughs> if we need that playoff intensity, and they got them something with this. They found a way to make it competitive throughout the year. I will add this. I will add this. When the Lakers do win this thing, right, they're going to treat it like it's the bubble. They're going to treat this thing like it's yeah. a football. We right. really didn't want to win this. You know, they're going to get on their little podcast, right? And like, oh, yeah, you know, we really wasn't even going for 500K. Yeah, that's light, man. We get that. I mean, we get that in three games. You know, they're going to make all these different excuses. And that's what's going to make me mad because they did the same thing to us in the bubble. When we were the most mentally tough team, we showed up and we won our championship. But for some reason, they don't want to count it. 
And now when we be the first team to actually win this in-season tournament, it's like, you know, we really wasn't playing that hard for it. You know, we really want to – our eyes was really on the, the bigger trophy. We're going to hear these different things. We're going to catch slack for it. And, again, this is not a Lakers podcast, but I just want to say that we know that's coming. Yeah, I would say right quick, too, man. I, I actually definitely have been a fan of it, too. Uh, y'all talked about the competitiveness. Obviously, we are raised down for that. Uh, but I think it, it just goes to show, you know, this has worked in soccer for for many years. And uh, we know that soccer is the the most global sport, is the most popular sport uh, on the planet. And uh, it's been successful. And Adam Silver was able to see that and say, you know what, let's go ahead and take that and put that and implement that in our league. And then also, too, you know, the league is always looking to expand globally. So when you start to bring global concepts to the NBA, you know, that just furthers that initiative and that agenda as well. But the only thing that I did want to say is, do you think that uh, teams that haven't been, let's just say, as successful as the Lakers from a championship standpoint and all that, are we going to see any uh, in-season tournament banners hanging from any uh, potential oh <laughs> from any potential not. franchises? I hope not, man. I hope not. But I will piggyback off you, Ravon, too. Give the give the WNBA some credit as well because they bought that Commissioner's Cup concept, you know, in season tournament type deal too. Uh, so they 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 often don't get the credit and we forget about that. Not saying you personally, but I think the sports world does. I think that they deserve some credit there. They 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 were some visionaries with that, and you know their sport continues to become a little more popular as their talent pool ex- uh, continues to expand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as for as for in in season tournament wins, I mean that you know it's fun to watch, man. But I don't want any of these like like the Clippers mess around and try to win it, and then they they claiming that they they coming for our spot as the best team in LA. That's not that's not gonna happen, right? Did y'all see that they said that uh when they do like you know the, I guess the finals of it and everything of that sort. How they gonna combine the TNT crew and the ESPN oh, yeah, I crew? Saw that. That's gonna be nice. That's, That's gonna, gonna be funny. That's gonna be very, very entertaining. That was genius. Whoever came up with that, I saw the meme where you know the Crip and the Blood flag tied together yeah. and hanging hanging it up. I was like, man, look at TNT and ESPN getting along. But on that note, I met, I did mention the Clippers, and I thought that was interesting. Before we head out, uh, you got Russell Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, last night, you know, he's notoriously, I think for the past couple of seasons, he's been known to get into it with fans and it happened again last night. And, and you know, famously quoted as saying that he's not going to stand his, his son is at the age to understand now he's not going to stand for any disrespect from fans. Uh, I was just interested to get here to, to get you guys' thoughts on this, because we know that there are hundreds and thousands of fans in the stands. This man cannot check every fan that has something bad to say about him but yet he tends to think he tends to have shown that he will uh i mean you guys his thoughts on this yeah i mean i would say you know i know that we kind of often come from the thought process of hey you know it comes along with the territory it's a part of it it's a part of the game it's a part of being a professional at that level and things of that sort uh, but I will say, man, that sometimes fans can truly be out of pocket. Uh, we know that it happens. And so to me, there's a little bit of a difference between like trash talking as it pertains to the game and then kind of taking things, you know, far and talking about families and things of that sort like that. And so I think that Westbrook is kind of having that mentality of, 
You know, if you wouldn't say it in the street, you know, don't say it in the stands. You know, don't feel that just because you in the stands that you got that ultimate protection and that nothing can happen to you. You know, if you wouldn't say it to me, if you saw me outside in the street, don't say it while you in the stands. And I think that we saw a little bit of an example of that. I think it was a couple of years ago, a playoff game. I think they he might have been in Utah and a fan was saying something. And Rush just kind of looked back and you saw like the fear just kind of come completely over the fan and almost the fan acting like he wasn't <laughs> saying nothing or he, you know, he wasn't nothing going on. And so that's what you see a lot of times, man. He, these fans feel so protected and feel like they entitled to say whatever they want to say. And to me, when it gets personal and goes beyond uh, things as it pertains to the game, then I don't mind, you know, the, the players, you know, kind of snapping back a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that fans do get out of line and they lose touch of reality, like you said. And, you know, I, I also share the opinion that, hey, man, you're only making it worse for yourself, uh, uh, unfortunately, you know. Um, and I, th- I think that, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I, th- I don't think there's anybody that's heckled more than LeBron James. And, you know, if LeBron James lashed out at every uh, fan that had something to say, the the game wouldn't be finished, like – so I think at, at, at a certain point, I know it's tough to say, and I hope that this is not taken the wrong way, but I think that at a certain point, you have to have that tough skin and you have to have that that certain amount of per, uh, professionalism. Um, now, lash out where you see fit, but I think to say that you're going to lash out every time is a little ridiculous. But, I mean, I, I think that, you, you know, you got you to gotta let that roll off your back a little bit. Uh, but I will say this, I mean – I don't know how the perception of Russell, Russell Westbrook is. I, I know that a lot of people and his peers, including Spears, say that he's a good dude, a really, really good dude, and will give you the shirt off of his back. So um, I don't know him. I've never met him. But, you know, his perception, you know, and sometimes your perception can become your reality is that he is a tough exterior guy and that he, he may not be the best guy to get along with. Um, but you know, neither here nor there. I just hope that Westbrook finds that balance because I, I I'm telling you, it's no way for how many ever games they got left that you'll be able to go at every fan that said something that you don't like. Yeah, I mean, I'm more so. On, uh, I, I had to say it on the fence, right? I'm with you, Rob, because it's a battle that he cannot win. You're not going to win that battle. You're yeah. never going to win that battle. It's so many different fans. You, you just can't win that battle, and that's part of it. And I think that's built into being in getting paid what he's getting paid, right? That comes with the territory of you being on this stage. That comes with it, right? People aren't going to – Heckless has not just started when Westbrook got in the league or whatever. And I understand his side, too, from Westbrook to yeah. go on the other side of because he said my son is old enough to, to understand what's going on. And when – He's trying to protect his name, right? And when his son is in the crowd or he hears these things online or whatever, he's trying to say, hey, you know, he's trying to stand for something and just don't let people just say and do whatever thing. So I get both sides. But at the same time, I really feel, I lean more so of, I feel that Westbrook needs to teach his son that, hey, you know what? Sometimes people are going to be out there that, that um, that's going to talk about you. That's going to say things and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Because... I have these same conversations with my son, right? It's sometimes you're going to go to school and somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to say these different things about you. You got to be confident in yourself and know that that's not true. You got to stand on that and know and move forward and know that whatever they're saying, 
doesn't doesn't affect you, right? Because people are going to talk about you and say different things all your life. But that's where I stand on that. Hey man, we should have a round of applause or something after that, after that speech right there. Man. <laughs> yeah, that was good. How little, do you follow that? Yeah. <laughs> he was passionate about this. Right. This I one. couldn't even get my joke off. I was about to get off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I think we did it again, man. Good podcast, good discussions. As always, thank you for rocking with us. If you're listening to us at this point, we're gonna get on that. We're gonna get out. <laughs> We're going to get, get out of here. <laughs> Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, Opinated, Benchwarmers, wherever you get your podcast at, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And make sure that you are subscribed, leave a review, share with a friend, show the love, spread our brand. Uh, we'll continue pumping out this great content. So until next time, we're out of here. Later.